Seen as the best way to overcome savings inertia, auto-enrolment is the biggest shake-up of pensions in a generation. It's a huge opportunity for financial planners, but also represents administrative challenges. In this episode, I talk to Roy McLaughlin about maximising the opportunities, overcoming the challenges and looking for ways to collaborate with other financial services professionals. That's all right here in episode 77 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Welcome folks to another episode of the Empath Podcast. Wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing whilst listening to this, running, walking, dog walking, cooking, cleaning or chilling, thanks so much for giving me and my guests some of your time. I really appreciate it. I was delighted by the feedback on last week's episode where John Cordray talked about building a personal brand using live video. Even though the Empath podcast is mainly for financial services professionals in the UK, last week's episode was generic enough to attract new listeners from other industries and other countries. I started the podcast to give you ideas and inspiration. Please let me know what topics you'd like to hear on the show and who you'd like to hear me chat to. Look me up at rogeredwards.co.uk and fill in the contact form or tweet me at roger underscore edwards. You can even find me on Snapchat, Roger A. Edwards. Yes, I'm on Snapchat. And you know what? It isn't just for under 18s. I've made some great business contacts on Snapchat in the last few weeks and started to forge some amazing, supportive business relationships. So let's get into this week's interview, and I'm delighted to introduce you to Roy McLaughlin. Roy is an experienced financial planner. He works at Master Advisor and has a wealth of knowledge from advising a broad portfolio of private and corporate clients within the PR, advertising, media and entertainment sectors. He is a well-known media commentator, a founder and executive member of the Income Protection Task Force and a non-executive director of Insurer British Friendly. So here's that interview right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. So good morning, Roy. Welcome to the Empath podcast. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, Roy. Yourself? Yes, very well, thank you. Um, Roy, tell me, where are we Skyping each other from today? I'm in Edinburgh, Uh, of course. I'm in the offices of Master Advisor. We are buried in the heart of uh, Chancery Lane where, where, all, where all the lawyers live. Roy, you've got an incredible CV. A partner at Master Advisor, financial advisor firm. You're also a founding and executive member of the Income Protection Task Force. I think you're also a non-executive director of a mutual life insurance company called British Friendly Society. And we're going to talk about all things finance today, perhaps a little bit of a focus on auto-enrolment and perhaps how that can be used to boost protection sales. But before we get to that, Roy, tell everyone who's listening to the podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where you're going to, what your ambitions are, and basically, what makes Roy McLaughlin tick? Okay, um, so I believe it or not, I've been in financial services since 1988. I became an IFA in 1998, uh, mainly because my clients made me, weirdly, um, <laughs> where they uh, they encouraged me to, uh, to go to the whole of the market. I very early on grasped uh, a love of protection and all things protection, but also got into uh, corporate market at a very early stage, uh, particularly with some some very small companies. Um, and as years have gone by, those two subjects have, have dominated, uh, I guess, most of my advice. And 
intertwined as well, which I think surprises some people because not, more, not most people don't put protection in the same bracket as corporate advice. But I, th- I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of parallels and, uh, and crossovers. You've got fairly high media profile as well. You're frequently quoted in the trade press, money marketing, financial advisor. I would describe probably as a portfolio career. So on top of being an advisor, you've got these um, side operations with um, British Friendly. Just give us a bit of a feel as to how you juggle all of those uh, opportunities together. Yes, when I actually think of, 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 of the juggling, it scares me, but it sort of works okay. Um, basically, I was encouraged by uh, several uh, industry luminaries a few years ago to uh, to start talking to the press. Um, and I actually think it's very important that advisors do talk to the press on a regular basis. And it shouldn't just be the usual advisors. You know, what we do need is, is more people. Um, and I guess one of the uh, one of the unique situations I had was I was able to talk on two quite diverse subjects. Um through joining um, organisations such as the Income Protection Task Force and FTRC committees and, and various um, roundtables, etc., I guess the profile increased and started to meet people from other sides of the industry that most advisors never meet, including reinsurers, uh, who I think the average advisor never meets. Um, and, and through some of the contacts, I guess, you, as the years went by, you were asked about product research and development and to um, to become a, a commentator on various subjects. Um, and then I got a phone call out of the blue uh, about a year and a half ago from a headhunter who said, how do you fancy becoming a, an advisor on a um, on a mutual board? Did some research and it appeared no one else had done it before, um, which was quite scary. Uh, but I was, uh, again, helped along the line by, by, by several uh, people in the industry and uh, was uh, appointed as an NED on uh, British Friendly um uh, about 18 months ago now so um, so it's been great and uh, and I actually think that it, it's important that other advisors um, take a role on, on boards of various mutuals and insurers because obviously we see things from a different point of view you know it's very much at the coalface and I think uh, it's very very important that the distributors and the manufacturers have that interaction um, and there's no better place to do it than the, on the on the board of directors I can assure you. No I think hats off to British Friendly for, for making that appointment Roy because as you say I, I, I can't think of anybody else who has an advisor on their non-executive board and, and the experience that you can bring from the coalface, as it were, must be invaluable to the, um, to the development of their strategy and the development of their product range and the way that they interact with their customers. And I, I wish a lot more companies would actually follow that route. Yeah, I think it's very important because I think a lot of people in marketing and there are some great people in marketing in our, in our industry uh, sometimes have a disconnect with the average man on the street. And that that's a little bit worrying because, of course, the products that are developing um, are to be taken out by the average man on the street. Um, so it seems strange that we have that disconnect. So I think it's very important that advisors play a role in being able to help with that translation process and actually help marketing and brand people in particular realize um you know what 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 hopes and desires and, and need is um and this is even more important with uh with changes that are happening around RDR and Pharma, of course. Yeah, and we're going to get into um, RDR and Pharma a little bit later on in the podcast, but thinking about financial services products, and and you've already mentioned that sometimes the products we develop as an industry, as product providers, perhaps don't resonate initially with the man on the street. One of the biggest topics, one of the biggest areas for attention over the last few years, of course, has been pensions auto-enrollment, and, and that's effectively been forced upon the industry, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the government, um, encouraging people to save for their retirement. So what has 
pensions auto enrolment meant for your firm, Master Advisor, Roy? What, what we did is we took the ball by the horns. I, I do understand that there are many IFAs that have walked away from auto enrolment, but we took the opposite um, attitude in that this is a very large opportunity. Um, you know, for 25 long years, I've walked into rooms to talk to people about pensions and, and people have either fallen asleep or walked out, uh, <laughs> which is a little bit unnerving. But um, I do very much sense and see, literally on a daily basis, a complete sea change in the attitude of people towards pensions. I think what the population have realised is that there is a demographic time bomb and that people are growing older. And people you know, will often relate to their parents' ages and, and, and what would they do in that situation vis-à-vis pensions. I think people understand the demise of final salary and also under, uh, understand that the fact that if you're faced with 20, 30, maybe 40 years in retirement, you're going to have to have some vehicle in place to live on. So the positive side of auto-enrollment is that rather than people walk out of those meetings or fall asleep, uh, they've actually been incredibly attentive. And what's been amazing is the reaction of particularly people in their 20s. I've never had so much positivity about pensions before in my life. Um, I suspect there are two things at, at large. One is definitely there's some, some influence of people's parents coming from a, from a downward side i parents are saying to them look you really need to think about this and, and do it and, and secondly i think social media weirdly has taken its part um you know I, i'm hearing of, of people who are asking me questions based on the fact that their friends have a pension at an, an alternative company so because auto enrollment is 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 you know the, the tentacles are, are rising throughout the uh throughout the land i think people are actually talking about pensions more than they've ever done before and that's a huge positive the issue of auto enrollment and i think even a regulator now admits this is that it arguably still needs some form of advice. There are still too many unanswered questions that, that are very difficult for a website or a, a piece of information or a brochure to answer. And what we found is that actually the communication side of auto enrollment has been something that we've been asked to do um, on, a, on a regular basis, and that really is increasing. By that, what I mean is, is that we will go out to firms and we will, we will run sessions with their staff and, and talk them through pensions at a very granular level as to how pensions work and, and answer all those various questions. And it really has been uh, re- re- rewarding from, from the point of view that I think the numbers demonstrate that people are taking out pensions in, in percentages that they've never never been before. What I would challenge the, you know, the government and regulators to do is to keep pointing the direction of this probably does need some advice. And I think um, what's, what's really changed is that um, the acknowledgement by you know, the pension companies, the regulator, that actually advisors have got a part, part to play. I would then translate that across to, to our industry and say, guys, you know, there are still 1.6, 1.7 million schemes that need auto enrollment. There's enough for uh, there's enough for all to go around. So uh, this is a huge opportunity for advisors. Yeah, and, and what you said just a little bit before there about social media resonates with me as well, Roy, because I guess even though people like yourself, people like me and other people who I've spoken to on the podcast are great fans of social media, great fans of content marketing. There's still quite a large cohort within the financial services industry that that really don't want to go there. They're either a little bit frightened of it, perhaps a little bit paranoid of the compliance issues, and and they, they steer away from social media. But the fact that you're getting referrals and you're getting clients coming to you because they've read about auto-enrollment on social media, perhaps on Twitter, maybe even on something like Snapchat, suggests that that definitely isn't a, a medium that we should ignore. And indeed, if our next generation of customers are using those mediums, then really we should be rolling our sleeves up and learning how to interact with people at that particular level. Absolutely. And the thing about social media is that um, 
you know, it's, it's a bit like technology and, and robo advice to a certain extent. You know, we need to look at these subjects as our friends, not as our foes. These um, these elements of, of, of communication help you give advice. They don't hinder it. And what I mean by that is, is that social media uh, will take you up to a certain point, but there are certain questions it simply can't ask answer. And, and that's why I still think that's a huge part um, in terms of face-to-face advice. I don't believe the doomsday merchants um, that, that uh, robo-advice will completely take over. Um, I think we'll see, we see uh, lots of situations where it will help us, but it won't take over because it still doesn't answer some of those unanswered particular advice-type questions. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to embrace it and people, people need to use it to their advantage. And if they don't understand it and they don't know about it, there are plenty of people out there, as you know, who, who are prepared to help them with it. Um, Burying your head in the sand is very, very dangerous because if youngsters in particular are going to use social media for pensions, um, and, and of course they're, the, they're, they're your future customer, then, uh, you know, ignore it at your peril, I guess. And you said that some, some financial advisors have effectively walked away from auto enrollment. Perhaps that's because there's too much to get your head around. Perhaps it's um, complicated. Perhaps it's difficult to get set up to advise on that particular subject. You've obviously made a success of this, Roy. So what, what sort of processes have you put in place to make auto-enrollment part of what Master Advisor offers to its customers? I think what you have to do is analyse what auto-enrollment really is all about. There is an admin side of it that absolutely is a complete pain. Um, and arguably, advisors shouldn't be getting involved in the admin side of it. It's not our skill set. Okay, we took a conscious decision to say, what are we good at? And our, our, our role is definitely one of communications, helping talk to people about auto enrollment. The, the other fact of the matter here is, is that um, I think the regulator said that something like 80% of firms' initial um, stop will be to go to their accountants for auto enrollment advice. Okay. Um, so I think there's a huge opportunity for, for advisors here. You know, whether they've got existing accountants or not, to go out to accountants in their local area and sit down with them and say, look, you're going to get approached. We know this is going to happen. Okay. Yes, you'll be able to help them on the payroll side of it and a, a few other functions. But actually, on the communication side of it, why don't you let us take over? And we work very closely with, with some accountants. And I know some of my IFA chums that I've spoken to, who I've convinced that uh, all-time enrollment is probably worth looking into, have gone out and done exactly that. They've gone to local accountants in their area and form strategic partnerships. Um, one of the byproducts of that, of course, is it leads to other business because the accountant, you know, once they get to know you, will say, well, what, what else do you do? What else can you advise on? And then it takes you into the realms of business protection and all the other uh, areas that, that, you know, that we can talk about. But I think there's a, a bit of a one-off opportunity here. And then, and I think it's, it's, it's very important not to miss this. You know, there are, I believe, two, 300,000 accountants in the UK there's only 20,000 of us, you know, let's get out and, and talk, talk to them and, and meet them. There's a massive opportunity, Roy, and, uh, and and I always like to see that collaborative approach between different um, financial professionals. And, and it does lead on, as you say, to potential other sources of um, income, sources of advice, business protection, as you've said. What do you think the links between auto-enrollment and protection are? I get, I guess... We still we still live in a society where protection isn't an aspirational purchase by most people, and and we've already said that perhaps social media is making pensions a little bit more accessible. But pensions has always been slightly aspirational, is that ultimately you are saving for retirement. You've got that, and one day I'll be finished work. I might want to retire 
go around the world on a cruise. I might just want to make sure I've paid off the mortgage, whatever it is. Whereas protection still has that. It's all about death and disability and disease. But there is an opportunity here, isn't there, to link the two yeah. together? How, how do you think we should go about that? Right. There, there are two distinct areas, and let's deal with them individually. First of all, let's look at the individual area. We have a unique opportunity. For the first time ever, 28 million people in this country are going to have a financial services product, whether they like it or not. It's called a pension. Yeah. Okay. They have no choice. So what that's doing is it's putting people like ours in front of people. So the natural progression for me is to say, great, we have a pension. Now let's look at other financial services products, okay? Because you've got a captive audience. And um, I guess the, the two obvious ones to talk about are probably ISAs, okay? Mm-hmm. Alongside that, very much protection. As, as you well know, Roger, protection needs a sale, needs a, a disturbance, needs a, a chat. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're now in front of these people, okay? And that's always been the problem with advice, is how to seek these people out. So I think there's a natural progression there and a, and, a, and a window of opportunity to be able to sit down with people and talk to them about what their second and what their third financial services product is. On the corporate side, um, it's a very easy one for me. If you if we project forward in our time machine to 2018, no matter where you work, if you're employed, you will have a pension. Okay, But as an employer, therefore, you have a level playing field. All of your competitors, all of your peers will offer a pension. So then you're going to have to start distinguishing yourself and making yourself into an employer that gives something that nobody else has got, okay? And the areas to definitely talk about there are the protection ones. So uh, in no particular order, group income protection, death and service, and private medical insurance, okay? And I think what we're finding is that employers are actually saying to us, yes, we, we now know that everyone's got a pension, so we now need to differentiate ourselves. Tell us which of these we should do and in which order. Um, so again, I think there's a, a, an opportunity from a corporate point of view. Um, so this is about doors opening that have never opened before. This is about people that, uh, whether they like it or not, are going to have to have a chat with someone like ourselves. Um, and I think that, th- therefore, the ability to talk to them about protection and the inextricable link here um, are, 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 for me, very obvious. And it's working for us. Um, you also mentioned business protection, uh, which is an aside, which some will talk to you about, others won't. But again, if you think about auto enrollment, for once, you are in front of decision makers. And the one thing about decision makers and owners is that when you start talking about succession planning, key person, business protection, whatever you want to call it, the, con- the concepts of this, it's a captive audience. Um, so, again, I this is why I said at the start, I think that the link between auto-enrollment protection is actually much more obvious than maybe some are giving credence to. And how would you go about um, maximising that opportunity? So, you've worked with an employer, you've made sure that their auto-enrollment pension scheme is set up, uh, maybe you've done that in conjunction with an accountant, as you've said, then there's the opportunity to talk to that company about potentially group life, etc., as you've said. Does that then become almost like a worksite marketing um, Correct, because thing? What, what, what tends to happen with auto-enrollment is that once the employer works out that the communication is the key, um, then they will translate that to other benefits as well. If you talk to anybody in HR, okay, they will know all about auto enrollment. They would have been on a course. They would have, you know, they'll be up to their ears in it. It's something <laughs> that HR professionals are, 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 are you know, moaning about. <laughs> but the one thing that they'll be very aware about, I promise you, if they've been on any course, is the word advice. Yeah. Okay? They will be, uh, they, will, they have no uh, hesitation at all that if anything starts boarding on advice, they need to walk away from that conversation. Okay. And that is where advisors can become very, very useful i.e. 
someone knocks on the HR person's door and says about this pension, about this death in service, about this, you know, whatever it is, doesn't matter. The ability for the HR person to go, ah, this is where we'll bring in our our benefits advisors or IFAs or whatever you want to call us, okay, uh, is something that we found um, goes down very, very well. Um, because if an HR professional is spending hours and hours trying to help out with something um, that an IFA can help them um, in a much shorter period of time, then the cost effectiveness of this um, becomes very, very apparent, okay? And that is something that sometimes takes time, sometimes takes uh, FDs a, 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 a small amount of time to realize. An expression I get quite a lot of is, you save us money, okay? And when owners of businesses start saying, you save us money, um, you've got a, you know, you've got a good relationship. I think that's a, that's a key point, isn't it? That we should remember that these companies out there absolutely want us to help them. I guess maybe there'll be, there'll be the suspicion or if I, if I phone up a company or I write them a letter, I'll be seen as cold calling. Yeah. But in fact, they probably welcome you with open arms because, as you say, there's so much to do. And as soon as the advice word is uh, mentioned, yeah. then some people are going to panic. I think, I think the other nice thing about auto enrollment is that, you know, yeah, okay, I'll come across some employers who, who have seen it as a stealth uh, tax. And then there's that you're always <laughs> going to get that cynicism with some. But the vast majority are seeing it in a positive way. And actually, from an altruistic point of view, are saying, you know, we've got a role to play and we need to set up a pension scheme. We probably should have done this a few years ago, is an expression you get quite a lot. Uh, and therefore, it's, it's a huge positivity. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, owners of businesses, quite a lot of the time, hang around together. So they'll be down there, their golf club or, their, or whatever, whatever, whatever tickles they're fancy. And they, they will be hanging out with fellow-minded professionals who will say, have you set one of these things up yet? How do you do it? Who did you use? And what you tend to find is that, um, you know, this is a great source of referrals for, for advisors as well, because if you can do your job properly, um, those those people's uh, you know, peers and other companies will, will probably come and find you and say, can you come and tell us all about this? Um, so it's not just the obvious introducers, such as accountants and solicitors, but it's the thing that most advisors were taught on day one of advisor training school, you know, referrals are your lifeblood. And, and, and I don't think there's a a better area to demonstrate that than all time Roman. Yeah, I, mean, I think what you've got is uh, a unique opportunity here um, because it's all to do with, with doors opening um, in a way that they've never done before and, and probably never will again. Um, and I think what you know we, we what we need to realise is that those doors are opening for people like our good selves. Um, it is uh, a breath of fresh air here in the regulator and pensions ministers and and several people in our industry saying, yeah, maybe we got this one wrong. We didn't perceive that there was a need for advisors. Actually, what we're hearing is that there is a need. Okay, so I think that we're we're coming out of this quite well, reputation-wise. Um, now, part of that is aligned to to um, to what's happening with the RDR and, and the fact that accountants and solicitors may be looking at it in, in a different light. But I think you know, if if advisors are being seen as integral to this auto enrollment solution, then this is also a good opportunity for us to rebuild some trust. In, uh, in, in, in the relationship between, you know, particularly corporates and advisors, but that naturally transcends to individuals and advisors. So, so again, I think the opportunity here is, uh, is one that would be, um, we'll kick ourselves if we don't, if we don't grab. Yeah. And I think that that, um, relationship between the advisor or between the financial services industry and the government is very important as well, because there are obviously lots of um, discussions to come. And you mentioned earlier on in the um, podcast about RDR and the, and the pharma initiative coming through and effectively an entire new review of how advice is given. What are your views on 
the the route that we're about to take? Well, my big worry before I'd even heard the word pharma and something I see on a daily basis is there is an advice gap. Okay, um, maybe it's an unintended consequence of RDR, but there is de- definitely a gap there. And I think what farmers effectively saying is 95% of the population, um, you know, don't have access or feel they don't have access to advice. Now, clearly, that's wrong. Okay, they are our clients of, of, of tomorrow, but also morally, it's the wrong thing to do. It's no good just looking after the very well off. Um, so I feel very passionately as someone who. You know, who's, who's worked for 25 years in this in this business and and had clients of all size, shapes, and colours. That it's very important that we don't um, discriminate and we help people out at you know at all different levels. So what Farmer is saying is uh, is that we need to bridge this advice gap and we need to do something about it. Um, and we'll have to change the the way in which people um, have access to advice. Um, so therefore, I applaud it. Um, I think the representations that people like myself have made. Um, is that protection is integral to this, okay? It's simply no good saying, yes, this is about people having um, pensions help and investment help. It's got to be about protection as well because that's integral to this. Um, so, you know, one does help that the regulator have, have heard that message and that whatever comes out um, later on this year, whenever the recommendations come out, um, has protection integral to, 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 to that solution. Because initially, I think protection was um, not even going to form part of farm, was it? Correct. I mean, what, what was quite, uh, you know, quite amazing for me was when, when that fact came out, I just assumed it would be part of it. But, you know, people in their 20s and 30s arguably need protection as much as anyone else. And actually, farmer in particular is looking at youngsters. So I think protection's got to be integral to this. I think, therefore, and uh, um, Mr. LeBeau would kill me if I didn't plug this for, for the first time in this podcast, <laughs> things like seven families have got a role to play, okay? We have to, as an industry, raise uh, the awareness of why protection is important. And that campaign um, has, for me, um, done that um, in, in, in a fabulous way in terms of rating the profile, not only with the public, but more interestingly with advisors. Mm. I think it's very important that to realise that you know, if, if advisors uh, don't get the protection um, side of things, that um, that we have a problem there as well. So it was as much, seven families I'm talking about, it was as much saying to advisors, come on guys, you know, as well as talking to the person about their pension and their investment, you're going to have to protect things if things go wrong. What we do know is that statistically things do do go wrong. So don't, don't put your head in the sand and, and assume these things aren't going to occur. Um, so I think that there is a responsibility on our side of the fence as much as the other side of the fence as well, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And once again, Seven Families does come up on the podcast quite frequently, as you know, Roy, and, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't mind that because it reinforces to me the fact that it's all about stories and whether you're talking to your clients about what might happen if they aren't protected or if they, if they haven't got a pension, etc. It's, it's, it's pictures that we need to uh, build in our customers' minds and give them scenarios. And I think Seven Families is a great example of how that can happen and how advisors can play a part in that because every single customer every single client that you have has got a story to tell whether they ultimately become a life insurance claim or a critical illness claim or they just have a they're a successful um, business venture these are stories that we can put out there via social media via video via blog articles content whatever it might be and the more positive stories we get out there the the better chance we have of overcoming the public perception that still exists, unfortunately, that the financial services industry is is not good. Yeah. The other thing that Seven Families has done, and, and I'll relate this back to 
to everything we've just been talked about is it has demonstrated um, in a wonderful way um, that this industry can come together sometimes, okay? Um, Seven Families has been about advisors, insurers, reinsurers, also the press, okay? And I don't know about you, Roger, but I can't remember the last time that the industry came together in such a unified way. Um, and I think what that's done is it's, put, it's made a lot of people, um, you know, reaffirmed that, that what we do is good and what we do is is valid and what we do is is is, is, a, is a positive thing. And maybe, you know, other elements of our industry should say, okay, what else can we come together at? You know, are there are there auto enrollment um, opportunities where the industry should get together, etc., etc., etc. And I think what what pharma does um, will, will will make us have to sit up. I think it's very important. That we are a unified front because we're quite a disparate bunch, um, and when others looking from the outside, I think they find it very strange that manufacturers and distributors, for example, don't talk to each other. Um, you know, that, that makes us pretty, uh, pretty unique as an industry. Full stop. So maybe one of the lessons from some of families is let's get people around the same table and let's act for the common for the common good. Yeah, it's funny, Roy. I usually ask at this stage of the podcast, what's the one big piece of advice or the one takeout that you'd like the listeners of the Empath Podcast to take away from your experiences. But I think you've actually summed that up for me already. And that's the opportunity that we have as an industry, as providers, as advisors, as reinsurers, etc., to collaborate. Seven Families is an example of that. Our response to pharma is another example of that. But the the ability just to to work together to the better of our clients, whether it's an accountant working with a financial advisor, whether it's a financial advisor like yourself working as a non-executive director on the board of a life insurance company, these are great ways that we can make this industry much more customer, much more client focused. And, and I, I just think this is fantastic. So thanks very much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your experiences with us. Before we go, I always like to finish the podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. So we'll go straight into that. Roy, if there was one thing that you change about the financial services industry, if someone gave you a magic wand to wave, what would it be? Um, I think it relates to what I said earlier is the um, access to advice. I, I, I believe passionately that every single person in the UK at some point will have a financial services product of some, of some form. And it's therefore important that somehow we work out this um, situation where people can have access to advice. What's the one business model, or it could be a product or it could be a marketing campaign, that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. Uh, I'm very biased because I've been involved from the start, but I, I think Seven Families has been revolutionary in, in, in many ways. But if you, you know, if you, if you look at any of the videos that we produced on Families um, and then think about what we as an industry do for people, I think that's, uh, that, that, that's where our industry actually deserves a bit of a power back. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. Um, I, I think the iPad, believe it or not, has, has, has revolutionised my life. Um, my, uh, my good friend Mr McKenna first uh, got me onto them and I, I generally don't think I could do the job with, with, with that in, without that instrument. What's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us what you like about it so much and what you took from it. Um, there aren't that many great ones, I have to say. I actually can't think of one here, Roger. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, do you know what? Between you and I, I've started reading some of these things, and I just, you know, I just, I just, I keep thinking, have you ever been to the, to, to, you know, to, to the planet Earth, which is quite from uh, <laughs> uh, Towers, as you probably know. But uh, actually, um, Peter Rosengard's book. Um, have you read that Life of a Salesman? Yes, yes. Although it talks about 
an era that, that had some issues financial services wise. The, the concept of what we do and how we do it for people was very, very good. Um, but, but, but that aside, there haven't been that many inspirational ones, I'm afraid. Roy, I'm sure there are going to be people who are listening to the podcast today who are going to want to get in touch with you, maybe to talk about auto-enrolment, maybe to talk about the work you're doing on the Income Protection Task Force. What's the best way that people should get in touch with you? Uh, the best way uh, to get in touch with me will be by email, and my email address is macmac at masteradvisor, and that's er at the end, .co.uk. So it's mac at masteradvisor.co.uk. Fantastic, and I'll include links to that in the show notes for this episode which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk that's rogeredwards.co.uk in the meantime Roy thank you so much for coming on the podcast this morning we've cantered through numerous interesting topics let me wish you every success for the future and no doubt we'll catch up in London at some big event in the near future sure we will look forward to it thank you very much thanks for listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?